of a dog. That stamps of the kind used in a classroom are used here is one of the absurdities which always seem to cling round the flanks of noxious institutions. And so one goes from the ultraviolet chamber to a gate, and thus into the compound. At tables and chairs on dusty ground the visitors sit, in some cases relatives of the internees, various nuns, Immigration lawyers are pointed out by other visitors you get to know. The lawyers can tell the full, irrational story. Who is locked up, and for how long, and who is let go. How the detainees are rendered crazy by the inconsistency of it all, and might become desperate. The first time I went there, I went with a friend, another writer, a woman named Alice. She introduced me to a refugee, very competent in English, who insisted that he be addressed as Alan Sheriff. The reason for the Western-style name will soon become apparent. He had been in this place and in similar enclosures out in the desert for more than three years. The government would neither give him asylum nor send him back to his country for fear of what that regime would do to him. So he was caught here, with his lively eyes and his smile into which irony easily crept. He was the sort of man, said my companion, the writer, whom women found disarming and, to use her word, cheeky. She also told me that he had got into trouble with the regime he'd fled over some writing business. Since the regime he had escaped from was led by a man whose name was a synonym for gratuitous tyranny, it was an easy idea to believe. So at a table, under a eucalyptus tree, we sat with this Alan, and skirted round his motives for skipping out on the tyrant. He was dark in complexion, and that seemed to suit his intensity. He gestured in a way which made it possible for me to see five marks on his wrist, dots of scarring. I decided these were tribal marks. Was the president where he came from as bad as they said? I asked. Oh, of course, he replied. But though I would have liked him to elaborate, he didn't. So we moved on to his immediate life within the wire here, in sight of small engineering works and distant bungalows. It became clear that he was one of the leaders of this enforced community of refugees. He talked about his informal counselling of men who had trouble sleeping, who were racked by the uncertainty of the immigration process, which they saw as a lottery and thus a tyranny of chance to match the tyranny of intent or danger they had run, floated, or flown away from. Sleeping was difficult here in the four-to-a-room huts, he said. Men often lay awake from three o'clock, when the need to urinate woke them, until dawn, fretting about their visa applications and families left behind. There's a library, I suggested still wanting to think our polity as civilised enough to provide that kind of refined facility. People could not concentrate to read, he told me. Even I, he declared, I find it hard to read. If I read, say, African history, or Irish history, or the history of Crazy Horse, or some other figure, I begin to feel the injustice in my gut, and I can't read further. It's stupid, but it's true. Religion, Assyrian, Christian, Islam, Baha'i, was any of that a comfort? For some, Alan admitted. Sadly, not for me.
He grinned in apology. I'm such a weak mediationist. I asked what that was. Just one of the sects at home, he told me. Scratch a mediationist, he explained, and you'll find an agnostic. I didn't have the expertise to argue this point. After a while, as the afternoon heat grew thicker and Alice and I leaned forward to catch his fairly reticent voice, we got him talking about other camps he'd been held in during his detention years. This is a holiday camp, he said, compared to the ones in the West and in the desert. I have seen the guards, for no reason and in ill will, separate families till a husband breaks a bottle and puts it to his neck and pleads to be reunited. Then the government can say, See, see what sort of people are these?